tuning into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. This clip comes from episode number 393 with Cam Joss, and in it we speak about queuing, how we can manipulate certain drills to enable us not to have to queue, not to have to speak, and just to get the athlete to do exactly what we want them to do. But just before we do dive into this episode, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. Rock Daisy's best-in-class athlete management system enables strength coaches, sports scientists, and front office personnel to easily centralize, access, track, and analyze all of your athletes' performance data. No more endless spreadsheets and logging into multiple systems. Check out rockdaisy.com for a free trial today. Coming on to the next point that I wanted to discuss, and this was based off a couple of conversations that I had recently when I had JB, Marin, uh, Les Spellman, and Ryan Grubbs on a, on a roundtable discussing sprint profiling. Somehow we got onto queuing, and one of the really interesting thing that Les said on, I think it was a question that came in from one of the attendees, actually, and it was, what cues do you use for uh, various different things? And it the conversation almost went, not what cues do we use, but how can we use as little verbal information as possible, not what is the verbal information? And that was a bit of a, I suppose, a light bulb moment for me of a bit of a shift, maybe in this area of conversation. So I wanted to get your opinion on how Les framed that and if you're of a similar mindset when it comes to queuing in terms of setting things up so you don't actually have to say anything at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I... All those names you just mentioned—they're all brilliant. All, all those, all those uh, members of that roundtable discussion, and, and I take a lot from their work. And um, you know, Les, Les is a guy who, you know, he's a private sector guy, much like I was, uh, you know, a couple years back. And he gets some very high-profile guys in his program. So again, I think he's learning um, based on that player experience, like we just talked about. And I think you know, when when you enter into that, you start realizing, okay, if I just cue ad nauseum they don't care about what i'm talking about you know like they're eventually it's going to just go in one ear and out the other and my voice is going to turn into white noise and everything i'm saying is going to be meaningless no matter how good it is because i just talk too much um and i think it's important to guide and not dictate athletes as you're developing them so i think if you are over cueing it turns into a dictation a micromanagement process and I think that's really dangerous. You know, there's there's plenty of research that's starting to come out now that's that's related to sure if I overcue an athlete, I can get the results I want right now. But if I instead base it around more of what Les is talking about, where can I build the experience through less cues and allow them to explore those things a little bit more? It might take a little bit more time for them to get it, but once they do, now they own it because they figured it out. Or I just kind of nudge them towards it. You know, and then eventually, it's kind of like when you're learning to ride a bike and maybe your parent is holding the bike for you a little bit, giving you just a little bit of stability, a little bit of added stability. And then eventually you're, you start yelling at your parent, like, let go of the bike. And they're, they're 300 feet behind you. You know, like they're, I let go like long time. You're doing it now. Like, you, you know, you figured it out. So, and now it's like, oh, I know how to ride a bike, you know, so I can continue to ride my bike now and I know how to do it. So I had the experience one time, admittedly, of. When I was much younger, I was about 24 years old, 25 years old. I had an athlete that I was preparing for, you know, his NFL pro day. And I was overcuing him, micromanaging the process of trying to help him with his 40-yard dash. And I handheld him through the entire process. And so by the time he went to go do his pro day and the day of competition, essentially, when the scouts were there 
evaluating him. He did not have me there because I couldn't physically be there. He was flying back to another state to go compete in another state, and he, he didn't do well at all. You know, he was just – and he was basically – I just – without you there, I didn't know what to do. You know, it was like an over-reliance on – that can happen as well, and I think that that's dangerous. So I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the creativity comes in how can I get this principle across to the athlete without – uh, having to overcue them. So how can, basically, how can I give them something to get what I want out of it and they can't really mess it up? You know, that's, that's a huge part of the art within itself as well. So, um, and I think there's a lot of truth too. I think, uh, I think I might've heard Buddy Morris talking about it one time, the strength coach for the Arizona Cardinals, how, you know, there, there's so much attention that they have to pay to learning their sport and learning their game and from a technical and tactical standpoint. So if I'm just, giving them all these extra things to think about and all these extra cues and all these things. I mean, it's, it's going to overload the system. And so, you know, he, he kind of made the point of like, I just try to give them things they can't mess up when it comes to training. And so like one of the things I came up with at some point just out of necessity was basically that med ball knee punch run. Cause I didn't know what else to call it. Cause I said, how can I get them to understand front side mechanics without just saying, drive your legs up or, you know, drive your knees up because that can be dangerous too if they do it too much or it's awkward and it's, it's uh, mistimed and things like that. And instead I just decided, okay, I need to, let me try the, let me try the stick on the back method, right? And have them do it while well, they were still butt kicking and things like, okay, that didn't work. So how can I get them to realize they need to keep their core tight and they can't just lean forward and butt kick out the back how can I get them to stay in a more upright position, drive the knee towards the hip and keep their core in a neutral position to keep their pelvis in a neutral position? And I started thinking, well, when I do a front squat with a barbell, I feel it a lot more in my core because the bar is front loaded. So by default, I'm more upright in a front squat. So I said, well, what if I put a med ball that has a little bit of weight, you know, not a ton of weight, like 10 to 12 pounds perhaps. Um, and I put it right by their belly button. And I just say, okay, now you're going to run, and I want you to try to make contact with your thigh towards the ball. And as soon as I started trying to do that, it was like, all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, I see what you're talking about now, you know? So it was one of those things, like, sort of out of necessity. I was like, how can I get them to just not mess this up and understand, like, what I'm trying to get them to feel, give them that experience, and then... After that, oh, it clicks. You're right, that does feel better. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Okay, cool. So that's, that's been a staple exercise, but that's just one example. Um, and I think it's, it's coming up with things like that instead of, like I said, just cueing ad nauseum and overloading them or turning it into white noise or however you want to think of it. So the, with the cues that you do choose to use, how do you make as much impact or how do you, would you recommend other coaches make as much impact with them words as possible. Is there specific areas that you would choose to cue? Is there specific scenarios? How would people, I suppose, bring what you've just said into, into life with their athletes tomorrow? So something I, I, I learned from Altus and Stu McMillan and Dan Paff and the whole crew there. Um, I love how they, they talked about motoric words. I think they called them where your cue is actually could might not even be a word. It might be a sound. Yeah, it might be like bah or something like that. You know, like so. If I want you to pop off the ground, maybe I say that. Maybe you know, if we're so if we're doing like a high speed running type of drill, and maybe it's like running A's, like extensive running A's to get you to understand how to have that front side lift and get off the ground quickly at the same time. So I'm having you. I'm starting to build that elastic endurance in, in your ability to do that by doing running A's for let's say 30, 40 meters on repeat. You know, just 
repeat 40 meter running A's. Um, the cue I might use at that point is pop. You know, I want you to pop off the ground because have you ever seen a slow pop? Is there like, it doesn't exist. Like a pop is always quick, right? So if I say something like um, punch or something like that, I, I think for high speed running, it probably doesn't work as well as it might for acceleration or something like that. Because uh, in acceleration, if you say, I think if you say push, that becomes dangerous too. So like a punch is faster than a push, you know, and a pop is faster than a punch. So you start thinking about like, what does the word convey that I'm using here? Because they still need to know they need to go fast, you know? And so um, I found if I used punch at high speed, they're hitting the ground too hard and not quick enough. If, it's like, if I say pop, they understand. Or I might, I might give them a, a, a visual and say, hey, the ground is on fire. You know, you need to get off the ground quickly. Or so, so if I'm attacking like ground contact, I start thinking about things like that. Um, if I'm attacking frontside lift, maybe I say, imagine you're climbing this gradual set of stairs that leads up into the sky or something like that. Because have you ever seen anybody climb a set of stairs where they're just kicking out the back? I mean, they always lead with the knee and then it's front side and down, just like you want to see when you're, you're running at, at speed. So, um, or if we're talking about a gradual rise as they go into that transition phase from early acceleration into high speed running. It's like a gradual plane taking off into the sky. That's another thing, you know, just start giving them visuals or, um, you know, if you want something to be done very explosively, uh, that's where I start. I might just use sound effects at that point. Like <laughs> if I want to do a med medicine ball throw for distance and so you need more effort in that, right? Instead of just saying like, hey, throw it harder. I could be like, when you go to throw it, just give it a, you know, like something like that. <laughs> so, so I've started realizing, you know, when, and when you do it yourself, I try to do some of these exercises myself. I think it really helps because now I have the experience. Like I've done this so I can convey that to you. Um, and, you know, that's something that I do that I enjoy doing is just moving my body and feeling it how, how it goes. But between that and talking with the player, like what speaks to them and everybody's a little bit different. So um, I think, you know, like Stu and, and Dan will talk about some players or, or athletes are very uh, in tune with their limbs in space. So if you say lift the knee, they can figure that out. Other ones are more in tune with how the force is being applied into the ground. So if you say pop or punch or something like that, that speaks more to them. It's the force application into the ground that I connect with more than my limb in space. So it's very interesting stuff. And cueing is something that I'm always going back and forth on on how to properly do it. But I do think minimal is best and um, really trying to find the one that works. And sometimes you go through your Rolodex <laughs> for months on end or maybe years on end until, oh, that finally clicked for that player or that athlete. So that's, that's how I think of it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip came from episode number 393, and that episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I'll chat to you next time.